Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for downloading episode 132 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. We are coming to New York City, and we want to see you there. This is going to be NYCC weekend. That's also Columbus Day weekend. And the show is Sunday, October 8th at 6 p.m. That's at the Hudson Mercantile right next to Javits Center. So come on down if you're attending the show, or even if you're not. You do not need a Comic-Con badge to come to see our show, but you do need tickets if you want to see us settling a very important topic with our special guest, Jonathan Colton, making his return to We Got This. Get your tickets at bit.ly forward slash we got NY or go to my website, hallublin.com. You'll see a link at the top. You can get tickets there. Also, the next day, we are doing a Muppet doubleheader in conjunction with the Jim Henson Legacy at the Museum of the Moving Image in Queens. And here's how it's going to work. First, you're going to help us determine the top five episodes of The Muppet Show of all time. And then we are going to do a live recording for an audience at Museum of the Moving Image that is going to determine the winner among those five. We are going to pick the best episode of The Muppet Show of all time, and our guests will be Craig Shemin, who is the president of the Jim Henson Legacy and knows just about anything and everything there is to know about all things Muppets, and making his return to the show and extending his record for most appearances is Mr. John Hodgman. And the most exciting part is When we determine the winner, that episode will be screened for the audience. We're so excited about that. Then, next show will be Best Classic Muppet Movie. We're talking about the Muppet Movie. We're talking about the Great Muppet Caper. We're talking about the Muppets Take Manhattan. We are going to pick between those movies and choose the best of all time. And we'll be joined by Stephanie DeBrusso from Sesame Street and Avenue Q. We're talking about a Tony-nominated actor and just a brilliant Muppeteer is going to be joining us to really get into the nitty-gritty and select a winner once and for all. And again, that winner will be screened for the live audience. Where do you get your tickets? I'll tell you. You go to movingimage.us, and that is the ticket link. That's where you go to get what you need to come see us on Monday. That's two different shows. But for now, please enjoy episode 132 of We Got This with Mark and Hal. Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best Christopher Guest Mockumentary. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcast should have a theme song. Podcast should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Hello, Mark. Hi, Hal. How are you? Why are we talking so I wanted quietly? to throw a reference out at the beginning of this, and I couldn't decide <laughs> what to do. So you just... Spoke very quietly. So I just spoke quietly, like I snuck up on the audience. <laughs> you know, when people listen to a podcast, they don't know what to expect. But haven't they already heard you talking for like 10 minutes about mm-hmm. promotional yeah. things? Maybe, probably. <laughs> I told them some stuff that's coming up, and then uh, I, I probably begged them to go to the Facebook group and sign up. Look, I just want attention, that's and sometimes fair. I'll sneak up on you to get it. <laughs> Wait, what's that behind me? Wait, how's there another Hal behind me? How are you doing? I'm the second Hal. What is happening doing right a now? show for you. I'm surrounded by Hal's and they're all dancing. <laughs> oh, no, they're tapping. Wait, that one's clogging. You've never seen clogging, have you? I know it's wooden shoes. 
No, it's oh, not. Man. I know. It's taps that are loosened, so they're super jangly and noisy. And I think it only happens in the South. But I like that you went with the full Jingle Bells, uh, <laughs> like opening riff clip clop. Well, then what does it sound like? What is it? What, what does it sound like when somebody's actually? It sounds clogging? like, uh, a little poor street urchin from the 19 teens on the Atlantic City boardwalk. Okay. Took 75 tin cans and attached them to each shoe. And you can't tell where the beat is because it's just flapping metal sounds. My grandfather, my mother's father, mm-hmm. worked at Steel Pier in Atlantic City. That's a musical. He was Steel Pier on Atlantic City, the musical. Uh, he was Robbie the Robot. What? And his job was to be stone-faced. So you would try to make him laugh. And I think if you if you were able to break him, you won like a dollar or something. Something that was like, oh, that's a decent little prize. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot. So we had a cousin Gilbert, Gilby, who had a funny looking face. I will do the face for you right now. By the way, a Philadelphian <laughs> describing a cousin named Gilbert who's got a funny looking face. Are you currently Bill Cosby? <laughs> Lord, I hope not. <laughs> so. <laughs> This is what he, this is what he looked like. And I'll do, he, he would make a noise too. He, this was, this was, this is my mother. By the way, I never, I think he was dead by the time I was born, but mm-hmm. he looked like this. <laughs> and he would make that noise. Did everybody see that? Everybody, yeah. Did you see that? <laughs> like he, he squished his lip, face up real tight, yeah, real tight. He, he real squished up face. So he, he went to surprise my grandfather, Felix, uh, on the boardwalk and walked up to him while he was working and went, Hey, Phil. <laughs> and, uh, my grandfather broke up laughing. And he won like a dollar or whatever without knowing why. <laughs> he realized that his regular face. That just did him in. Yeah. By the way, the names Felix and Gilbert are what a child names their uh, stuffed animals in the 1940s. <laughs> did I mention my family was created by Neil Simon? <laughs> <laughs> but we're not here to talk about Neil Simon. No. What we're are we here to talk comedy. about? We're here to talk about improvised comedy films. This was suggested by Cindy Clausen. Yeah, Facebook. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Cindy. This is a this is a cool topic because I know we're both huge fans of this guy. Yes, this is we're talking, of course, about Christopher Guest, who's like the fiftieth Earl of Nottingham or something. He has some like crazy royal lineage. Is he really titled? He is like an Earl or a Duke or something like that. He's a six fingered man. He is a six fingered man. We know that. Uh, and also, I mean, if you haven't listened to his work on the National Lampoon Radio Hour, you can find oh. that audio somewhere. My, my impression of Mr. Rogers is based on his impression of Mr. Rogers. <laughs> and, uh, for a real treat, listen to him do The Idiot. Oh, it yeah. is one of the funniest blackout sketches and his voice is so perfect in it. He's so good. Um, but we're talking about Christopher Guest and yes. Christopher Guest has made some of the funniest improvised movies of all time. Yes. Uh, we have a list in front of us. We're, we're going to determine today which of these is the, uh, official best for all time movie. Correct. Um, we have a list of six movies. Mm-hmm. They are This is Spinal Tap, Waiting for Guffman, right? Best in Show, a Mighty Wind, For Your Consideration, and Mascots. And those span 1984 through 2016. Now, we can lop two of those off right away. <laughs> okay. Let's. Can we do that? Um, which two would you like to lop off? I think we should lop off Mascots yeah. and For Your Consideration. Okay. I, w- I would lop those off. And I, I love all of they're these. They're both great movies. They're both yeah. really fun. Um, I, I, the mascots is cool because it's got sort of a new era of funny people that, uh, Christopher Guest is working with. Yes. Um, for your consideration, 
a hilarious movie that features one of our dear friends, Derek Waters, creator of Drunk History. Yes. Um, so I hate to lop it off early. That said, boy, it is tough to beat Spinal Tap, Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, and A Mighty Wind. Uh, w- Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, and A Mighty Wind all came out like right in a row, along with For Your Pretty Consideration. Close. Pretty close. They like every, all... every, th- every four years, it seems, three or four mm-hmm. years, it was like 96, then 2000, then, then 2003. Three, then 2006. Mascots, yeah. it was another 10 years later. Right. Um, can, can we talk, let's just talk before we get into these, really dig in. Let's talk about what makes these movies so great. If you haven't seen these movies, um, these are movies that feature primarily the same ensemble of actors yeah. up until Mascots, mm-hmm. um, which uh, they they all improvise the movie. They have a skeleton um, – as far as I know, this is how they do it. Right. They have a skeleton of the structure of the movie um, but they all of the, or the st- structure of the story, but they all – improvise all of the scenes along with Christopher Guest because they are I mean and this I mean this is a who's who of improv comedy people yes uh, you've got Catherine O'Hara Fred Willard Christopher Guest Bob Balaban Eugene Levy Eugene Levy Ed Bagley Jr. Ed, oh man and then like you have people like Rachel Harris and Deb Thaker mm-hmm. that are that are filling it like everybody they have they Larry Jane Miller Lynch. Jane Lynch Brilliant Jane Lynch and best in Jennifer show. Coolidge yeah I mean, it's just, it's astounding. The cast they put together, Parker Posey. It feels like a lot of their cast, uh, is Canadian Second City people. They just poached yes. Second City TV. Well, is Christopher Guest Canadian? I don't know his. I don't think he is. Is he, the, Eugene, is he the sixth Earl of Canada? You, yes. Eugene Levy is his partner in crime. Right. So I think because of that, you get people like, uh. That's how you get your ringers like yeah, O'Hara. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but also, like, Michael McKean and Harry Shearer have now appeared in these films. That's true. And, you know, obviously, they're part of Spinal Tap. Uh, but a, a couple of the other people who who round out these supporting casts, Michael Hitchcock. Oh, who man. is Always so good. So good in every movie and and is, di- is super dynamic in the range of the characters that he plays. Uh, but, but I also think that John Michael Higgins. Oh, yeah. Is – Again, just incredible. They just have people who can do anything. And even the people who come in to do a single scene, guys like Don Lake, mm-hmm. uh, Paul Dooley, Paul Dooley. Here's a cool Paul Dooley thing for you. If you don't know who Paul Dooley is, I guarantee you have seen his face. Yes. Because Paul Dooley has been in the second most sitcoms, not episodes, but different sitcoms of all time. Do you know who has been in the most sitcoms of all time? The most sick, like the most numbered, like titles of sitcoms, not episodes. Not episodes, titles. Who has been in the most sitcoms of all time? Paul Mooney has been in the second. Paul Dooley. Paul Dooley, not Paul Mooney. Paul Dooley has been in the second most sitcoms of all time. Ooh, uh, I'll, I'm gonna say, oh my goodness. I can't even, I couldn't even imagine a Bob Hope. We've already talked about him. Today. Yes. In this episode. Michael McKean? Fred Willard. Fred Willard! Wow. So there's a little little tidbit for you. For some reason, I remembered that from an Entertainment Weekly article a couple of years ago. It might have changed by now. <laughs> but for some reason, that stuck in my head because uh, I was like, I got to do a thing with him once. And I thought and I'd read this and I was like, Paul Dooley, that's the guy I just did this thing with. And oh, my gosh, he's been in the second most sitcoms. So I used to write and perform for the David Feldman show, which is a mm-hmm. radio show on public radio. That was also a podcast. And Paul Dooley was a repertory member of that show. So I used to Perfect. write. 
stuff just for him. And then we got to perform together. And then he asked me to be part of like a thing that he did one time. And it was incredible. We should try to get Paul Dooley on the show. I bet you we can get him. Sure. Let's Paul, if you're listening, come th- on the show. I think I have his phone number. Perfect. <laughs> Let me tell you what it is. Uh, hey, 1- everybody. Here's Paul Dooley's social security number. <laughs> We're just going to give you his pin. We won't give you the card yeah. number or the bank so you can figure it out. That makes it fun for you. Exactly. But we-, we are going to give you the LKA of every single member of the Christopher Guest Repertory Company. Yeah. We're going to give you uh, – just so you can find them. Some of them are hiding. <laughs> but really, like a br- he, he builds a brilliant ensemble. And my understanding is, and I'm sure Derek can speak to this, he's really good at guiding improvisation, which I think Mm -hmm. is part of it, is you improvise a scene, and then he figures out what to keep and what he wants you to expand Mm -hmm. on. And he takes a group of people, like Parker Posey is not someone who was known as an improviser. But she's just funny and brilliant. She's brilliant. She's so great. She's great at inhabiting characters. She was like the queen of the indie films by time Waiting for Guffman came out in 96. So it was like, oh, and she's doing this improvised comedy. Oh, and she's hilarious in it. And then you see her in film after film continue to to deliver in a big way. Um, But I – so right now we're down to four films, right? We are down to Spinal Tap or This Is Spinal Tap, Waiting for Guffman. Best in show and a mighty wind. Okay. I know what you're about to do. What am I going to do? I know what you're going to do. I don't want you to do it, but you're right to do I it. I don't want to do it, but I, I we know, have to do it. I know we have to do what it. What are we going to do? Spinal Tap is a brilliant, brilliant movie. It is. That was created by Rob Reiner. That's a Rob Reiner Featuring film. Christopher Guest. Yeah. Well, when we talk about Christopher Guest, and I know that he and, and Harry Shearer and Michael McKeat, like that was their thing. It wasn't like Rob Reiner said, Hey, I, I want to create this fake metal band and I want you three guys to do it. It was, de- I think it was developed at least by two of, of the three mm-hmm. of them, if not the three of them. However, it is a Rob Reiner film. He directed it. It's his thing. The other films that we're talking about, the other five are all Christopher Guest. The other three now. They're his. Yes. But I mean the five, the other five on the original list, mm-hmm. now three. So we can't include Spinal Tap no. as much as we could sit here and talk about it. How great! All day. Go watch Spinal Tap. So many memorable. Yes, please. Just what, go. What watch I like, it. I like in the beginning of this where you're like, if you haven't seen these films and then proceeded to describe them, where I know if people, if at this point those people are not listening anymore. Oh, that's guys, you know what? I didn't even think about that. For those of you who are still here, there are a bunch of people who aren't listening anymore. Just tell us what do you really think of them. We're not going to give an opinion. No, no, no. We're not going to tell them. We but promise. But if you have stuff that you want to say. Yeah. You can say it. We're going to listen right now. Ooh, that was harsh. That was really mean. I know wow. it stopped. I don't yeah, want to do this no, anymore. We should, let's just get back to the episode. I thought it was going to be good for us to get stuff yeah, out, but that no, just felt like it was straight attack. That felt like just some, some straight up Twitter-esque vitriol. Yeah. Just say it to their face, please. Jeez. Wow. All right. Okay. So <laughs> let's start with uh, how do you want to do this? Do you want to look at the, the the collection of characters that was created by the core ensemble people? Do you want to look at just how freaking funny the movie is? Do you want to look at? <sighs> yeah, I it. It's tough to it's the thing is it, we usually compare and have literally compared apples and oranges on this show yes but this really feels like apples to apples with slight differences it is and i think everybody if you're a dog person then best in show is something that you relate to because you know what dog owners are like and what their relationships with their pets are like if you're someone 
who is a big fan of music or has performed in music or worked in a theme park, mm-hmm. then you probably are more drawn to a mighty wind. Or uh, or if you're even just a baby boomer yes, with that uh, folk music. Or if you've ever been involved in or have seen a community theater production. As both of us have. Then then probably Waiting for Guffman speaks more directly to you. I will tell you that, the, that Ken Belinsky, mm-hmm. who listens to this podcast and was – my the the integral instructor in my acting career, the one who who helped give me a foundation off which to build and taught me the value of being professional and easy to work with and working quick and 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 all of that uh is a difficult film for him to watch or was because all of those people seemed real to him you, mm-hmm. you know you see all three of these films and you go, these people are very far flung and to an extent they're caricatures, yes sure but they're also very real people. Yeah, there's the beauty of the characters that they create in these movies are the specificity yes. of each of them. Yeah. Everyone, it's not just Corky St. Clair is not just a Queenie theater director. No. He is specific in what he wants, in what he wears, in how his hair looks, in how he treats this community, how he feels about this community, yeah. and you know all of these details. Parker Posey isn't just the, you know, hayseed uh, kid. She's the hayseed kid who has I mean, everybody, everybody's so specifically drawn in this. Yeah. And, and these little detail moments, whether it's in that instance, Parker Posey just listing off the things that you can do while sitting at a Dairy Queen or. Uh, Christopher Guest listing off names of nuts in uh, Best in Show. <laughs> and practicing his ventriloquism. And practicing his ventriloquism. And making his dog talk. Say, hey, I'm the best one you ever seen. Hey, judges. <laughs> Did you – you've had dogs. <laughs> yes. Did you make your dogs talk? Did your dogs have voices? Uh, oh, yeah. What were your dog's voices? Uh, my dog's voice. <laughs> <laughs> No, they're not. It wasn't like a. I'm just trying to. I'm just thinking back fondly on my dog's voices. Um, Maxwell, well, Maxwell had her own voice. She okay. was loud. But uh, in thinking about like who would voice these dogs, Rosie Perez came up a lot. Okay. So we would just uh, anytime it was Maxwell's turn to talk, it was just a Rosie Perez impression. <laughs> What about you in the week that you had a dog? No, well, when, when I had dogs growing up, that dog had no voice. The dog I had as an adult had no voice. But growing up, Pepper, the first dog we mm-hmm. had, she sounded like this. That was Pepper. And then there was, uh, Patches. Hello, Daddy, who was based off of Terry from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh, there you go. I like Hello, that. Hello, Pee Wee. Hello, Pee Wee. I want to be the baby. Uh, my mother would have her, have her say things like, instead of the flash, it'd be flish, 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 fish, fish, fish. I don't know why we thought that was great, but we did. You know I still what? hold it dear. I, I still think it's great. It's charming, isn't it's it? It's pretty charming. Yeah. Dogs have voices. <laughs> and then, uh, Brandon, the golden retriever that we also had for a week when I was a kid sounded like because he was he was not the smartest dog Aww. he would walk into did he walls. say words or were those the only words he said uh i think that was mostly what he said he didn't have too much to say um while we're out, let's talk about best in show okay because what the and this is a good example of what these movies do really well is they play like for anybody out there who's an improviser um one of the things that you learn is if you set up early on that there is going to be a big event at the end uh, then you can just play with a million characters getting to that point. Right. And that's what all of these movies do. 
uh, in a mighty wind, it's the big reunion concert or the, um, the, the which benefit, is, the benefit concert, yeah. uh, in the, um, in best in show, it's the Mayflower, dog Mayflower dog yes. show. And in, uh, in best in, uh, waiting for Guffman, it's red, white and Blaine. Yeah. So they all have a, a, a final event. Uh, maybe we could start with that actually. I was going to talk about, uh, you wanted to talk about best in show, but, best you, in show, but okay. now my brain is going, this could be fun. Let's, let's break down the events at the end and pick which one of those we think is the winner. Okay. Uh, red, white and Blaine, the community theater performance. Yes. Uh, that the whole movie has built up to. First of all, that has to, that has a special place for me. I actually have, uh, all of the songs from red, white and Blaine. That I have pulled off the internet over the years. And <laughs> I have an album that is, <laughs> that is the Red, White, and Blaine soundtrack. Isn't it funny that you downloaded uh, a soundtrack where one of the songs is Nothing Ever Happens on Mars? Yep. It's pretty great. <laughs> and then, and then I just spent 10 years making things happen on Mars. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'll show you, yeah. Christopher Guest. Nothing ever happens on Mars. And the songs are deliberately, like, there's one that's deliberately cheesy. Yeah. There's one that's deliberately opening songy. There's one that's <laughs> deliberately terrible. Like, there's the, the song, like, I mean, starting with Spinal Tap, these guys were so great and still are so great with music. Yes. And they toured as Spinal Tap. Mm-hmm. And then they, then later on, uh, when a mighty wind was coming out in promotion of that, they would do a show and they would open for themselves as the herdsman. Wasn't that the name of their? Uh, I will have to look that up. Well, I cannot remember offhand yeah. the name of their of their trio. But boy, but they, they would open for hair. themselves. They would do a set yeah. as the as the folk trio, and they would play a Spinal Tap. And sometimes people would not know that they had switched because it's there's a drastic difference in their looks. Yes, but that I guess that depends on whether you're a. McKean Shearer guest fan, or if you're a heavy metal Spinal Tap fan, right? That's true. You know what I mean? That is true. But they, I think they also went on tour with all of the groups because they learned how to play their instruments for you know. So the new mm-hmm. Main Street singers, they had to learn those of them that played instruments had to learn how to play them, but they all could sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mitch and Mickey, Eugene Levy, obviously has a musical pedigree, having done Godspell, mm-hmm. and you get to see. A bit of their musical talent, he and Catherine O'Hara in Best in Show, uh, as the, as the Flex release their album, do it at Terrier style. <laughs> and all, and their song that they do before oh. they leave, the God loves a Terrier. Yes, he does. They, that's another thing these movies do so well is those denouements after yes. the, uh, after the, the event. Uh, but let's talk about the event. So, um, that's, that's, uh, now my, my brain is conflating all of them in my, it's one of those things where like, these are the, these are the three movies that I could talk about and say the name of the wrong one. Yeah. But you'd know what I was talking about. Yes. But when we're specifically talking about those three movies. <laughs> well, let me guide us through them. <laughs> Thank you. So the benefit, the PBS benefit yes. that they do in the, in a mighty win, the mm-hmm. big thing is that Mitch goes missing before his set mm-hmm. and is he going to show up? And of right. course he does. And they pull it off and then we see where they are afterwards. But we're talking about the main event. That was their main event. Was the concert. Yes. Mm-hmm. And of course the lead up to the concert with Bob Balaban concerned about all the safety issues and Michael Hitchcock <laughs> is the one who runs the theater and then eventually just slaps him in the face. Because <laughs> he doesn't understand – Bob Balaban doesn't understand forced perspective or whether the lights are secured <sighs> or whether they'll be able to – whether there are enough exits for people, whether they're marked. I mean, it's such a great – it's a great character and then th- – 
also Michael Hitchcock when he starts singing Ave Maria because he talks about how perfect the acoustics are, (laughs) which is kind of a callback to his character in Waiting for Guffman who wants the – God, I wish I was in the show. That – that character to me, and that was such a great introduction to Michael Hitchcock mm-hmm. that he, uh, like all through this movie, I didn't know who this guy was. I think this was the first movie I'd seen him in. Right. And I was like, oh, he's really funny in this tiny little part. And then he busts out at the end as like the city councilman who really wanted to be in this show. Yes. And it's, it's just a beautiful moment. And of course, then in, um, best in show he and michael mckean are um a couple and no that's that's uh john that's john uh, michael higgins yes wait a minute am i I confusing yes in in best in show michael michael hitchcock is half of of fred willard that's right no no he and uh he and parker posey are the yuppie couple Man, I really so have no, from, I need to just have pictures of these people in front of me right now. He goes now. from being the townsperson who comes out and is being interviewed during an intermission right. and goes, well, I mean, geez, Corey, we all knew he could write and direct, but who knew he could act and dance and sing and just the sets of the music? God, I went like that was his. That's moment. right. And then it was he and Parker Posey in, uh, in Best in Show yes. as the, uh, as the type A alpha. Yeah, the Michigan couple. couple. Mm-hmm. Who he has the or the Orson Bean like everything they order is from catalogs because they don't have to deal with people and it's perfect and uh, and they're they're transferring all their emotions onto their dog he's he's freaking out um, <laughs> uh, and then in Best in, uh, in then in A Mighty Wind he's he's briefly there as the guy who runs the theater where the mm-hmm. benefits being out but that that benefit is the main concert where everything right. seems to go well. And then, uh, in Best in Show, it's of course the Mayflower Dog Show. And the only notable, uh, you, all the main characters make it to the finals except for Michael Hitchcock and Parker Posey's dog. Right. Who, who barks and jumps on the judge. Yes. The one who, the ones who wanted to be the most perfect. Yes. And, um, I gotta say for that, that was a, maybe the most satisfying of the three events for me was mm-hmm. Best in Show because I feel like the right people won. Because if you start at the end of the movie and you go, these are the people that are going to win. Right. You have to crap on them for the rest of the movie. Yes. Just their lives are the absolute hardest. It's Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy Levy. as Jerry, Jerry and Cookie Fleck. That's right. And the Flecks wind up having to stay in the the boiler room (laughs) instead of in a hotel room. They don't have money. So their card gets denied at the hotel. Then there's the run. Then this is great. Like there's such a great couple it's great character work because he's got the big fake front teeth Mm -hmm. and he's just sort of an aw shucks kind of awkward guy she is someone who was an absolute party girl who's now who's very much in love with him but the running joke of the film of course is whenever they run into someone there's a guy who has had sex with her (laughs) that recognizes her like oh i never uh like one guy's like, I banged a lot of waitresses in my day, but, uh, you were the best. And she's like, you never forget the best. Like she, <laughs> she's not ashamed of her past. She treats great. it like a, like a baseball player yes. who is, ha- who has fans coming up. She to has him all complete the time. agency, but she has mm-hmm. to remind, uh, Jerry that she still loves him. <laughs> and then she's like, beat goes on, man. My husband. This is my husband. Beat goes on. Um, but that's the main event there. And then it is great. Her tweaking her knee. Mm-hmm. And and Jerry having to go out and with ride. his two left feet. Yes, and it's right. He literally has two left feet. <laughs> but also her, the fact that when she tries to walk after she falls down, that her leg wobble, her right knee wobbles, is is hilarious because of the way she plays it. And then mm-hmm. at the end, when when he does win, and she comes to see him, she's walking fast, but her leg still wobbles with every <laughs> step of her right leg. It's just such great character work. And 
additionally, along with those, those two most put upon characters being the ones that ultimately win. Yeah. To see the juiciest villains, uh, of this whole, of this whole collection of movies, Jane Lynch and, uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah. Get their comeuppance in the end. Uh, Even though they start their, uh. Yeah. Oh, it's not, I mean, they, yeah, they have their. They start a magazine. Like, Lesbians with Dogs. Yes. Uh, magazine. Dogs. Yes, because at the beginning, Jennifer Coolidge is married to a very old man who's clearly yeah. about to die, and she talks about, <laughs> uh, he's so great. We could, we can talk about anything or not talk. We could talk or not talk for hours. <laughs> Just such a great, <laughs> such a great moment. Oh, but yeah, and their comeuppance isn't like the villain getting, like falling off the building at the end. It's a little more like Mr. Scrooge getting visited by three ghosts. Yes. Um, (laughs) yeah, I, I just love the end of Best in Show. Yes. Um, it is, it is a great ending, but you've also got the big concert at the end of, I mean, so what do you think? Have we, I think Red, White and Blaine. It's tough in terms to be of that Red, being the culminating event, mm-hmm. and then they think that Guffman is there, but it's not Mort Guffman. It's uh, Loomis. 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 Uh, Wait, there must be something wrong. My name is Loomis. Yeah, and he's just he just came down. Fallen. Yeah, I mean it's and where they all wind up after that. Yeah. Do you think we have a shot at Broadway? Oh sure. Oh my God, you guys, did you hear that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> this is just gonna be Hal and I quoting movies for uh, an hour. By the way, <laughs> like you point out. The, I was just thinking of it. A penny for your thoughts, a dime for your dreams, and a shiny new quarter to peek at your schemes. I reckon we're in love. And the fact that they lost their leading man so Corky had to play opposite Parker Posey. Yes. This musical is too perfect. We're theater nerds. The The finale has to go to Waiting for Guffman. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, I'll tell you what, before we break down the other portions of these films, mm-hmm. let's take a brief break. Sure. Let's get feel the wind blowing through our hair. <laughs> and you can hear from some of the great shows on the Max Fun Network. Going into a Bullseye interview, I know that it's somebody who does amazing work, but it's also a real conversation, so I don't know where it's headed. I think you just you just clarified something for me that's never been really clear before. This is the most serious I've ever been in my life. You've made me completely serious. <laughs> I feel like I'm in therapy. <laughs> Bullseye. Creators you know, creators you need to know. Find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Chaotic Bro. Natural Jaeger. Picosby. Mount Armas. The USS Entrepreneur. Dustbuster Club. Drunk Shimoda. What are we talking about? Some of the many delightful nonsenses that are now important running gags in the Star Trek podcast we still can't believe we're actually making. The Greatest Generation is a show that is reviewing Star Trek The Next Generation episode by episode, but it's much sillier and has more fart jokes than that makes it sound. Our reputations may never recover. You can get our show at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. And we're back. Hi, everybody. Covered wagons. <laughs> open-toed shoes. Everybody dance. Oh, God. Man, I'm... That is one of those movies that is... 
this is going to be hard for me to pick anything but Waiting for Guffman because that is one of those movies. If I had five DVDs uh, that I grabbed out of my apartment in a fire, Waiting for Guffman would be one of them. Yeah, it it is a tough one to topple. What, what are some other criteria though? What, how would we judge it? We judge it by the cast of characters. Do you want to talk about that? I mean, you could judge. You could pick one actor. And just base it on their character in each of the movies. Let me ask you. I'm this. not saying we should do that, but I'm saying that's how tight these this ensemble is. So you've got in in Waiting for Guffman, Corky St. Clair, mm-hmm. even though he even though he does not admit it, he talks about his wife Bonnie. I buy all her pantsuits. Yeah, it's clear that he's he's supposed to be a homosexual man, and he makes mm-hmm. the joke of like, "I'm just gonna go and bite my pillow." In in Best in Show, you got the gay couple played by Michael McKean and uh, mm-hmm. uh, Higgins. Yeah, and Higgins, the one that I thought previously was Michael Hitchcock. Yeah, where where Michael McKean was previously married to a woman, and then he mm-hmm. felt so he's a little bit fey, I guess. But you know, Higgins is a flaming queen. Mm-hmm. And then in uh, in A Mighty Wind, you've got Harry Shearer's character who who is trans. Mm-hmm. Who is either transitioning into being right. a woman or he wants to dress is, as a woman. It's, I, I forget which is brilliant which to is. have Harry Shearer play a trans person. Yes. Because Harry Shearer's voice is famously down here. Yes. And he does shave his beard by the end because mm-hmm. he has one of those beards with no mustache. Yeah, which is – The oh, C.F. Coop. He has a C.F. They Coop. all look like – all of the all of the, the herdsmen look like yeah. uh, a woolly willy. They yes. look like variations on a woolly willy. Yes, that's right because uh, – Christopher Guest has the hair, the mm-hmm. fluffy hair around the sides, <laughs> just around the sides, and a mustache. Mm-hmm. I believe so. I got to look at a picture of these guys. Um, and then Michael McKean just looks like Michael McKean. Yeah. But uh, my question is, and we're not the people to answer this, right? We are two straight white males. But I, I wonder if how insensitive those three things are, and how much it dings each film. Hmm. Like, is is. Because I don't remember in watching Best in Show, which I just watched very recently, I was watching going, it is, it is a caricature. However, they're playing real people and they're mm-hmm. never judged. There are people who are maybe a little uncomfortable or just don't know how to deal with Higgins. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody dislikes him. I don't think there's any gay bashing or lesbian bashing that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wonder, and I'm just, I, there's it's not something we can handle just sort right. of talking out loud to what extent that that makes these films problematic. I'd be curious to know because to me what it seems like and this again is from the perspective of someone who has not dealt with this. Right. What it seems to me like is waiting for government is not making fun of gay. It's jabbing at the denial. Um, right. Best in show is not making fun of uh, gay people. It's making fun of theatricality. Uh, right. And uh, a mighty wind. I don't think it's ever really a punchline. His transgenderness. No, I think it's a surprise because you mm-hmm. don't expect him right. to be to be trans or uh or anything like that. And so it's like, right. oh, who would be to to say this is the least likely person to be trans is kind of I think maybe being blind to the idea that anybody could have sure. uh could be trying to figure their identity out and trying to sort of establish and discover who they are. But it it does I, I just want to bring it up cuz it it Sure. It stood out to me in a way that it didn't 17 years ago watching mm-hmm. it. And that being said, my favorite characters in Best in Show are Michael McKeon and, and 
when he comes in and starts decorating the hotel room. Yes, that they have their full setup. Like, yeah. you just know who these couples, who this couple is. They For feel this like overly pampered theatrical dog. Yeah, and it's all about like this is what the dog is gonna love. Yeah, I I think my favorite, one of my favorite moments in the film is when they're getting ready to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And Michael McKean is calling the person who's house sitting for them, who's watching Tyrone, mm-hmm. their male Shih Tzu, mm-hmm. who is who does not compete. <laughs> and he asked to, he asked for him to be put on the phone. And uh, Higgins comes over and lays his head on Michael McKean's shoulder while he's listening. And like I can hear him breathing, like la- just like chuckling, and then singing him his favorite song. It's such a as odd as it is that he's singing a lullaby to to a Shih Tzu that probably is sniffing its own butthole. Mm-hmm. On the other end of the phone, it is a very real moment. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this is – they genuinely love each other. They love their life. They're very happy with who they are. They make no apologies. Yeah. They seem like they would be the most fun to hang out with. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just loved – like the, because those characters feel real to me, maybe maybe it's not – maybe that one holds up the best of the three of them mm-hmm. because you get to see uh, a queer character – are queer characters that are just sort of outliving their lives and nobody there's no judgment put on them. Yeah. There's no time to judge them because it's all about judging those dogs. Yes, you've got to judge yeah. the dog. If I'm judging this couple over here, it's not cuz they're gay, it's cuz they're uh an obstacle to me getting that uh cup and yes. winning. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about a lot of the characters in Best in Show. Mm-hmm. Um we haven't talked about many of the characters in uh, Mighty, Mighty Wind. Wind. Yeah. Or even, I mean, we haven't even talked about Waiting for Guffman either. We haven't talked about Eugene Levy's character who's yeah. brilliant audition where he, where he sings the medley and it's one of the worst auditions you could ever see. And as soon as he leaves, they're like, Blaine, it's, yeah, he's brilliant. And who knew that the dentist was a star? Uh, <laughs> and he can't see without his glasses on. Wait, his eyes Eugene go Levy- crossed. Like cross-eyed, buck tooth, yeah, two left feet. He is he is laying on the old school clowning techniques thick yes. in these movies. Yes, he is. And even in in uh in Mighty Wind as Mitch, where the uh, older version of him uh is seems to have trouble uh, speaking or <laughs> understanding what's uh, going on. Yeah, I just love that older version of, of Mitch, who is clearly like he's lost his mind since they, since they broke up in the, in the sixties and, and her dynamic of becoming essentially just like a well-to-do sort of suburban wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's such an interesting dynamic that they play off. It's probably the most serious they are in all three of the films mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, but I think it works well. Then the new Main then you Street. Have Parker Posey yes. with the new Main Street singers. Where she was a homeless prostitute? You remember all of these details so well. She was a teen runaway. Right. And then she joined, she like ran into a theme park and heard the, the Main Street <laughs> singers and then became a member of the group. <sighs> and then you have, uh, John Michael Higgins and, um, Jane Lynch, mm-hmm. who are the new leaders, they're the new Main Street singer leaders, who are a couple that is in like a weird, not satanic, but they worship colors. <laughs> so like they have that weird, like that red, yellow, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet. Like they have an odd, and she was, I think, 
I think she might have been in pornography or something. Like they had, they all have an odd checkered past. Yeah. And they found salvation in being theme park singers. I wonder how, well, look, as a former theme park employee, yeah. most of the people there have checkered pasts and we all, uh, we all just happy to be there. We'd all be crossing the Mexican border right about now. How realistic is that? Is that group of singers when you watch it? Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's not to blow past your running into old Mexico with all of your <laughs> cohorts. Yeah. Mickey and Donald and Pluto and I all cross the border. We can't talk about it. No, Gosh. there's, there's a little bit of truth in it. I don't know who there actually worked in a theme park. If anyone did, I mean, we had a main street at Disney. Um, still do. <laughs> yeah, it's still there. I mean, it's the old Main Street. There's mm-hmm. not a new Main Street. No. They did put in a new Main Street at California Adventure, though. That's right, where it looks like uh, California and Walt Disney arrived. That's right. LA. Um There's yeah, Buena Vista Street. Buena Vista Street. That's Thank right. you. These are the new Buena Vista Street singers, not to be confused with the new Buena Vista Social Club down in Cuba. Brilliant musicians, <laughs> all with those flowery short sleeve shirts. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's... Yeah, that that way of moving and that way of relating to an audience is so perfectly captured. Okay, yeah, I they're the styles and the music. It feels like the music is more of a star of this film mm-hmm. than the characters are. Not that there aren't great characters, but when I think about just the song "A Mighty Wind." The deal mm. when I travel through the highways of this land I love so much. Every carpenter and cowboy, every blind man on a crutch. Like it's so, <laughs> it's so folksy. Like I get, like yeah. I, you totally get what they're making fun of. If you've ever heard folk music, and it's also, uh, it, it was those guys that wrote it. Yes, the, they wrote yes. the same team that wrote spy because it's the same three guys. The same yeah. team that wrote the Spinal Tap tunes, which are. All legendary classics. Pretty sure it's the three of them that wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's, that's the team. Yeah. They're the creative force behind the music. Uh, it's just so good. Which, ah, man. That's the thing. This, the music, I think, at the end of, uh, A Mighty Wind is probably better music than at the end of Waiting for, uh, or Waiting for Guffman. If only because you hear all of it. And these are songs that are specifically written to have been popular tunes right they were hits right not specifically written to be terrible do you think it's harder to write bad music than it is like you know we've both i've been, only ever done that <laughs> but we've both so been I performing a, it's it, would you say it's harder to to act poor like pretend to act poorly on purpose yeah that always drives me nuts so this is a challenge that in is, that it's hard to do and this is the best waiting for government's the best version of that that i've seen yeah and i think character wise Character-wise, it's got to be between Guffman or Best in Show. Mm-hmm. Best in Show's got so many – Harlan Pepper, who owns the fishing and tackle oh, shop, yeah. who, but wants Harlan, to be – Harlan Pepper. Yeah, Harlan Pepper, who in the end is doing <laughs> what he tries to say, uh, fat, and he can't say it. And the thing is like, maybe I'll try to say chubby. Maybe I'll try that. Chucky. Chubby. Chucky. Chucky. Nope. <laughs> That's a hard one. That's a hard yes. one to do. A ventriloquist. Yeah, ventriloquist. And then at the end, he's performing it like a VFW or like oh. a VA and – <laughs> and he can't do that. He knocks over the set and he's doing the lassos. But I mean, it's the, the characters in Waiting for Guffman. And maybe it's because that's what we grew up with. We were theater kids and yeah. you had the local couple 
that he gave her notes. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Fred Willard and Catherine O'Hara. Let's talk about Fred Willard for a second. Yeah. We, we should give some honorable mentions to some of the greats in this collection. Oh, my goodness. Because I, I, you could have just as easily said, let's talk about Catherine O'Hara for a second. Oh, my goodness. She's, she's brilliant. She's so brilliant every in time. In each of these movies. She's on the screen. She's so, she's so talented and so funny and such a great improviser because mm-hmm. that, that was her background. But she's also, an incredible actor. Yeah. And that's been proven time and time again. I mean, even in a movie like Home Alone, mm-hmm. she really helps ground the film. But she helps with Beetlejuice as well. She kind of grounds that film yeah. even though she's playing a bizarre character. All she of her brings... characters always have real desire, real human desires in there. Uh, but you wanted to talk about Fred Willard. And Fred Willard. Oh, my God. Fred Willard is the uh, – what is it? Uh, she's Sheila. And he, I can't remember his Rod, character's name. Rod and Sheila. Ron, 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 Ron and, and Sheila. Sheila. Them, when they go to audition and then afterwards going, should we strike it? Strike it. We, we've worked with Corky before. We're familiar with all the terms. Like, and they sing Midnight at the Oasis yes. and have a whole lead up, uh, lead up song to it. Yeah. The, Fred Willard in all of these movies, in Best in Show, Fred Willard just sitting at a table with Michael Hitchcock. Uh, no, 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 the British with, guy. Uh, the British, um, Again, I'm making putting name, Michael Hitchcock in every name role. escapes because he's because so, he's an actual a isn't he an actual British like dog show? Yeah, I, no, no, the guy is. is this an actor? Just, I think he's an actor, but he brings some reality to it. But I, Fred Willard, the, the great thing about Fred Willard is he always seems like he is not in the room with anybody else that he's performing with. <laughs> not that he isn't connected to them, but right. he's just going to roll through and get his stuff in in, yeah. in the best possible way, especially like. <laughs> whether he's talking about the judges or what the dogs look like or uh, how much do you think i can bench press yes <laughs> <laughs> i know we're going a little off the reservation here oh man i uh i met fred willard once yeah at, i love that we now we just sound like two old dudes sitting on a porch like i met paul dooley i met fred willard <laughs> i uh i went to an, uh, an award ceremony in chicago and fred willard was in front of me in line for the caviar these which the is, Jeff this awards? is the this is the like uh, bougiest sounding thing that I could say. And this makes me sound like uh, oh, I was at the blah, 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 blah. no, I was in college and I was accepting an award on behalf of my school. Okay, at the Chicago Film Critics Awards, right? And Fred Willard was there, and he was, and they had caviar. It was the first time I'd ever even seen caviar. Maybe the last. Uh, I'm not a caviar person. No. Uh, and Fred Willard is in front of me putting caviar on toast points. And he turns around to me and just starts going, isn't it funny that we're eating fish eggs? And then just goes off for five <laughs> minutes on caviar. And I was like, what? Just to me. And had it been anyone else behind him, he would have done the exact same thing just to talk to the world. It wasn't even particularly great material. It was just him bsing to whoever was around i feel like that may be how he lives his life it's just they just go uh, fred can you just show up in this room yeah and your name is ron and yeah. then boom he just goes and he just starts talking oh and he, it, that's the film where in waiting for government he's had penis reduction surgery yes <laughs> uh maybe they talk has about had it, penis reduction they talk surgery. about it at dinner yeah <laughs> Catherine O'Hara just shaking her head with that weird like big hair that she has with the curl in it but doesn't isn't it uh, no, it's it's just an accepted part of his character that he has had. No, I mean that he has had penis reduction surgery. I thought that was his cover up. No, says, he's got a little problem, and she goes, "Well, it's not little anymore." And he goes, <clears throat> "Well, I, I had penis reduction surgery. 
I th- I thought I thought well you know I never picked that up I'm gonna have to check it out yeah. again. It's Fred Willard lying in that moment. Maybe so. Um, look, we've spent two thirds of this time talking about waiting for Guffman, and a third of it talking about the other two movies. Can we just rule yet, or do we have to go and talk about other stuff? People of the world. <laughs> If you haven't seen these movies, go watch them all. Watch them in order. Watch them in the order that they came out and appreciate how great they all are and, and how skilled all of the performers are and, wh- and what they've achieved as an ensemble. But Waiting for Guffman is just an achievement like no other in this uh, genre. It's just – it's real and surreal and painful and hilarious – and uncomfortable and comfortable all at the same time. Uh, whether it's Larry Miller as the, as from the town council, or if it's David Cross, who, uh, who thinks that alien, who talks about the spot where aliens were supposed to have landed. Uh, it's just a brilliant piece of work. And the, you get to see the ensemble that filled out the most of the majority of the rest of these films in that first one. And it's so good. So Red, White, and Blaine, we salute you. Happy sesquicentennial to Blaine, Missouri. Sorry that Mort Guffman never showed up, but we did to say that Waiting for Guffman is the best Christopher Guest mockumentary asked and answered. Oh. I love that movie so much. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Um, thank you to Cindy Clausen. Thank for, you for giving us this topic. Uh, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us on Twitter at we got this tweets or check out the Maximum Fun subreddit. A flame war could be happening. Who knows? But send us an email too. We got this podcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook group. That's where all the talking's going on, folks. We want to have a conversation with you. Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash we got this podcast. Thank you to producer Ken Plume, researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. Thanks as always to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song respectively. And thanks to you, our listeners. You know, Nothing ever happens on Mars, but I would take a penny for your thoughts if we could make everyone dance. No, I screwed that up. <laughs> you got far enough. For Mark Gagliardi. Everybody dance. <laughs> for Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lovelin. For Hal Lovelin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. <laughs> Don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. this. We got this. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.